0: awesome okay and i've always they always say this in the movies and i've always wanted to say it here on my mark three two one mark the double clap (laughs) the double clap without further ado Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host Tyler Moss here with my co-host Chris Husted. What's up, party people? Happy uh, d- a week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy happy evening, happy week before Thanksgiving because we will be off next week because there is no episode next week. So, um, yeah, we uh, hope everybody is um, gearing up for the holiday and getting uh, hungry. Hopefully we can treat you to a little bit of ear candy before you head home, wherever that may be, or maybe you are home. And <laughs> uh, the other thing I always point out is uh, what I do when I travel back home. I'm going back to California. Uh, I always load up on podcasts. So if any of you are new listeners and came across us and loaded up, loaded us up for your uh, for your travels across the country, your flights, your drives, whatever. Welcome. Welcome indeed, absolutely. And to all our our our. Uh, Faithful, we love you. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Um, before we quick think, uh, kick things off here and start talking about episode 7, uh, Flickr, which uh, definitely has some interesting backstory here. I would say this episode is primarily a backstory. Um, I want to go ahead and say, uh, well, first of all, Chris, what are you drinking this evening? I have two drinks. I have a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon, and then I also have a Black Pale Ale from uh, Boulevard brewing company which is right over here in kansas city oh that's good stuff Whoa. boulevard's Wait, great yeah what do you have i'm getting busy with the double ipa for my local brewery here called mad tree so you know nice kind of citrusy fall flavor i guess <laughs> maybe not but it still tastes good <laughs> um we appreciate you all for being here of course and for continuing to send in your comments and questions and all that and kind of engage in the conversation you can continue to do that on our Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash this American Horror Story. Uh, You can also do that by emailing us your questions and comments, which we always love and we like to talk about on air. Um, that is at this American Horror Story at gmail.com. And, of course, rate us, review us on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Before we jump up into the episode, two quick notes I want to mention from last week. First is that um, someone pointed out on Facebook that the woman in the last episode who um, killed herself in the bathtub at the Cortez. The teacher? Yes. Apparently that's based on someone who really died at the Hotel Cecil. Um, because remember the, oh, Chris is doing a flashlight below his face. Oh, American horror story. You're a few weeks late. That's more of a Halloween vibe. I know. (laughs) But I'm thankful for it. Fuck. Uh, so I guess the teacher was like a real, that's like a real story from the the Hotel Cecil, which we know is like the Cortez's kind of model of this creepy hotel in LA. That's a great, uh, insight. Fact. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for... Uh, Uh, Second thing I wanted to mention is that Rebecca shared a theory that potentially uh, what would take us back to the Murder House in a later episode is um, James March uh, is actually, the theory is that James March is the one who kills Dr. Montgomery's baby Thaddeus, and that ultimately drives them crazy. Right. Excuse me. That's Um, interesting. Yeah, uh, because obviously we saw backstory between Countess and March this episode, but we didn't see anything about the Countess's pregnancy. Right, right um but we know it's after she was turned turned up which means which means it must not be valentinos right because she's already turned because Can she you was... have a baby and be turned well she did remember cuz she well Unless she was pregnant before she was turned, but even then, she thought Valentino was dead for months and months. And, right. Uh, at least, show. right. And at least from what we could tell in the in this episode, Valentino um, would have been. It seemed like you know, Valentino and Natasha. She saw them for the first time at the more or the um, mausoleum, and then they were supposed to meet her at the train, and then they didn't show up because March killed them. So there was not really time for her to uh, get it on and, and get pregnant from Valentino. So good chance it is Marge's baby, I guess we would say. Right. Then again. I don't know that we have any real evidence that the Countess continued to be faithful after that, especially, you know. Well, I guess she didn't know. Well, now I'm getting into the episode. The Maybe Rubberman banged... Uh, the um, Countess? The Countess. I don't know. Tate? <laughs> who, was, yeah. who wasn't born yet. <laughs> or it's, it's Immaculate Conception he went back, from the devil. He went back to the past. I must have back to the future. Anyway, so good, interesting <laughs> theories. Um, and, and before we get too into it, we're already diving into this episode's premise. So without further ado, Flickr. Flickr. Episode 7. Flickr is, of course, referring to uh, black and white movies. Yes. Um, which the Countess was apparently not a star, but she was kind of a Aspiring. background player. Yeah, she, um, she wanted to be a star. So the story, the storyline in this episode starts with Drake and uh, Will Drake and Lachlan. And we learn a couple things in this opening scene. We learn that Drake is probably going to marry the Countess. Um, He asks, you know, he asks Lachlan if it's cool, if they're together forever. And Lachlan's like, I thought you like men. And He's like, huh? (laughs) And shrugs. So that's kind of how that went. Um, Which we still think might be he is either, I guess he's, no, he's come out and said he's gay, so this might be the uh, the uh, glamour effect that um, the Countess has over him. I think she's, yeah, glamming him a little bit or something. Or, I don't know. Yeah, cle- I mean, clearly he's aware that he's not physically attracted to her whatsoever. At least his wiener is. Mm-hmm. And Tristan's not around anymore to be her uh, fluffer, so. Right. <laughs> And uh, part two of this opening scene, of course, is the contractors uh, blasting open the steel hidden hallway, uh, which to do some this like HGTV essential TV tumor, Hotel Impossible renovations, right? Uh, in which they find, of course, the um, our long lost very couple. thirsty yes vampires of uh, of Valentina and Natasha. So, yeah. first question here: Did you rec- realize when you're watching this? opening scene that that was uh Finn Wittrock back I, I didn't know it was Finn Wittrock until after the episode was over and I went and looked to see who the characters were What? I was like who is this guy he's super familiar <laughs> I totally know who this is and I was like I can't remember I was like well, what was he in previous seasons was he I was like was it Mark Consuelos in Asylum no no that's not him I don't know then I went and looked and I was like ah, oh, oh oh I'm an idiot It was that Tristan. you know, Wittrock. it was that that Tristan Rufio Wig was so convincing (laughs) yeah and it must be that that italian accent (laughs) yeah yeah he i mean he did a good job in this he's a good actor anyway but yeah so yeah i did i'm an idiot and didn't know and our listeners will for sure make fun of me for that
1: (laughs) that's okay That's rightfully
0: show um but yeah interesting that we see him him returning and i want to talk about that in a second here first when we kind of get to the um flashbacks i guess but before that we we get kind of our only real vision of um Iris, I think, in this episode, And when she comments on Drake's anal bleaching. To she has the, the best line of the whole, whole episode. Do you remember? Did you write it down? I didn't, I didn't write exactly what it was, which was like, anus bleaching. You know, I don't understand that. I couldn't pick my butthole out of a lineup. Yep, yep, that's what it was. That was good. <laughs> God bless you, Iris. Keep keep coming with that. I thought that was, that was a pretty solid line. Good yeah. co- good comedic writing there. <laughs> also, I mean, obviously, the canist sees the open vault and realizes... Something's gone oh, down. Shit. Yeah. Um, she probably realizes that March had all sorts of crazy shit going on in that hotel, so she doesn't know what she's going to stumble upon when she's there. Uh, of course, before we kind of really jump back in time, we see again the realtor from Murder House. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember her name. I don't remember, you know if you do. I don't, but um, I remember. I wondered, yeah. I, I wondered if she was actually going to be playing herself, you know, because she is in the same time, in the same city as Murder House, right? Right, yeah, and she... Uh, I kind of so, enjoy her. She's kind of got that like dry sense of humor. <laughs> um, but she's no more, clearly, um, unless she has unfinished business. But looks like she just got pretty much slaughtered by um, Our, the, the freed vampires. Yes. The flappers. Well, one of them, Natasha. So, the actors. Excuse me, without further ado, into the past. So, it's 1925. So, this is pre... Uh, countess being turned um pre kind of any part i think that we've really seen of her backstory before so this is the most backstory i feel like we've really gotten on the countess i'll really be interested to ask you at the end of this um if you felt like that informed the character a little bit more for you uh so oh so and i think it was speaking of which i think we got the actual in the last episode we got the the di- like the time period she went to the murder house wasn't it like 1928 Mm, you're 1926, right 1926, 1928 that. So it was after this time Yeah Which we knew right. anyway Because she got turned after um, Anyway So when, Finn Wittrock is back uh, And I think this kind of makes sense Remember she said to Tristan at one point That you remind me of somebody from my past So obviously she was referring to Valentino Which I will say uh, That's some continuity for the writers To have something, like, something from episode maybe two That uh, is followed up with You know five episodes later so cheers to them for for having more continuous threads and kind of things we can trace like that in the storyline which has not always been the case yeah i think it also helps the writers address the elephant in the room that the same actors playing these two roles yes that too like yeah yeah we're self we're very aware of what's going on here right so valentino um the Countess visits him, you know, he's he's a star of the black and white screen, which is obviously pictures in which people are not talking. It's those black and white films where, you know, Charlie Chaplin and them used to do where it would be like running captions on the bottom, which were the dialogue people were speaking. Uh, but the Countess is uh, attracted to him, obviously. She's just a background player in this um, movie. It's like an Egyptian kind of set or something like that. Um, Which is an interesting thing to, I mean, setting because we have all, you know, all these people talking about immortality and being a god and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of having being set in, well, especially Valentino talking about that and kind of having this like Egyptian setting. Obviously, that was such a huge part of that culture and why, you know, um, pharaohs were mummified and stuff like that as they wanted to kind of be immortalized as gods. Right. And um also they got buried with all their riches because they wanted to bring that with them right so Mm -hmm. and as we learn in this episode the countess loves things she wants to be surrounded by lots of rich uh jewelry and and fine things and stuff like that and ultimately why she ends up choosing to be with james march right yeah exactly also i mean obviously if we're looking at valentino as a kind of god pharaoh figure he tries to bring the countess who he calls his mouse right his mouse yeah back in you know back with him to the immortal yeah. life too to kind of this guy level the other the one other thing i wanted to point out that i found interesting about the countess uh coming to la to be an actress uh is it's interesting to see if there's going to be any parallels <laughs> with ramona royale who also was an actress mm-hmm. uh, during a different era but maybe that's part any... of what drew her to ramona in the first place right is a uh, yeah Kind of that I feeling, that. That, that connection. Finn Wittrock's Italian accent, yay or nay? Uh, I thought it was okay. I, I didn't really... I I'm, I don't have a strong ear f- to, to decipher if it's good or bad, but it seemed okay to me because I didn't know it was him. <laughs> you know what? I f- I hear you. And I also feel like as long as an accent isn't obtrusive, like yeah. to the point where it takes you out of the reality of the show, it's, it works for me. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty solid. Yeah, there'll be critics lambasting the whole thing I'm sure and there will be people that say it was amazing but for me it worked it was fine the character was fine and kind of feeding into this conversation about being a god and being immortal you know the Countess and uh, Valentino have this interesting conversation about being what that means to be immortal and the Countess thinks it means being immortal on the movie screen you know living in pictures and kind of your your living legacy um, and I actually thought that, La- that um, Lady Gaga did pretty good I pretty good here you know? I, like about 10 minutes in this episode, I caught myself thinking, wow, Gaga is actually pretty good. She's she, she's handling this character really well. She does the doughy-eyed, fresh uh, to town, really eager and naive. Ingenue, and I think that's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. She killed it. It was really good. I was really impressed with it because she hasn't had a lot to do really besides <laughs> look around, stand around and pose and... Give like cold offhand remarks. Should be herself, be Lady Gaga. Yep. So it's like, you know, and I kind of, we've talked about this before that like we almost see her, um, so far we've kind of been like, well, she's kind of better when she's more of a fixture, mm-hmm. like, than she is, you know, like a decoration right. than when she is, um, acting but maybe that's not maybe she's a pretty good actor maybe that's just kind of the lines they've written for and the character they've written but because this flashback to the past when she was kind of more innocent and stuff like that i thought it was believable i thought she did a great job absolutely i, I actually cared about her she did a good job and i maybe was just g- giving her the the episode or uh, enough of a character arc uh to stretch her legs acting wise and she did she, i agree she was really good and i <laughs> want to critique her and it surprised like, me oh, yeah stunt stunt casting but no, nah, she good she did good. She I, agree. I agree, I agree, I um, agree. And I also thought that this dance scene that her and Finn Wittrock did here was really cool. That was awesome. Where they're like bouncing back and forth between kind of you know seducing her, yeah, and like it being like the modern, but then they would also cut it, it cut it with like the black and white, yeah, old uh, black and white film um, shots. I don't know who the director was. I know you, know Michael Michael Goy. I can always trust name? you to check that. Too. But <laughs> I thought Crystal Liu was the uh, writer for this episode. I would so. say this very, this episode was I thought it was very well directed and written. I love and I love that we have kind of one cohesive storyline here as opposed to too much stuff happening at once, which often happens in uh, in uh, American Horror Story. So yeah, I agree. the yeah. the the this whole and they, this this dance sequence that you were talking about where they cut black and white occasionally, it was choreographed great. It was the seduction of her, but it was also um, I thought you know they keep calling her the mouse. And they're kind of playing with their mouse here. And then they all have a three-way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, this whole section was kind of some, it was symbolic, right? It was like, obviously they knew they didn't have a ton of time to really build this relationship between Valentino and... Um, the Countess. And the or Countess. What's her name? Oh, crap. I, I, I don't remember her real name, so I just call her The Countess. Or we can call her Mouse, whatever we want to call her for this particular yes. episode's sake. Her name but, was like Elizabeth Thomas or something like boring. Not no, Sorry Elizabeth w- Thomas is out there. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. But, uh, yeah, so, I, I you know, we kind of represent, I mean, I feel like their seduction, her, her seduction was relatively believable. I mean, it was a little strange when all of a sudden Natasha comes down the stairs, which, did you catch the actress that played Natasha in last night's episode? Because I definitely um, recognized I, her. I, yeah, I looked, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I looked her up, but I don't, I don't, I didn't recognize her from stuff she's been in. What's her name? Uh, I gotta look it up. Okay. Keep. T- uh, so I, anyway, she comes down the stairs and kind of joins in. And yeah, they end up having a three-way, which uh, you know we've seen a fair amount of three-ways. I know. When I watched, um, I was like, "This is boring for a uh, for a three-way." We've uh, had four ways. <laughs> a lot less blood involved too in this one. I suppose. we had orgies back in. Uh, was the orgies were in? Um, was it in uh, Freak Show? Oh, Alexandra Daddario. Is she the one from True Detective? Is that right? Is that who that is? I think she might be the one that, in the first season of True Detective, uh, kind of uh, had the very well-known topless scene. Oh, the girlfriend that um, of Woody Harrelson, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or was it Woody Harrelson, or was yep, it? Yeah, um, that's right. Or was it uh, Matthew McConaughey? No, it was Woody Harrelson. Yep, uh, that was, yeah. that's who she's. So huh. that's where. So that's where she's from. Anyway, she, I thought she did a great job here too. Yeah, um, she was good. She's so much taller than Gaga. Maybe Gaga's just super short. I've heard that guessing. Gaga's pretty tiny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they have that relationship and um, interesting dynamic. But she's kind, they're kind of like a weird 1920s kind of you know he's Tango. European, so it kind of, somehow it all made you know I I believe it all. It made sense to me somehow. Like yeah. you know they take this young girl and they like introduce her to the world and so. And she, and the countess falls head over heels for both of them. She loves them immediately, but especially uh, Valentino, it seems. Yeah, especially him, definitely. She also uh, she loves uh, Natasha. Um, she mentions this early on that some her friend, uh, the countess's friend, was like, "Oh, you know that she used to do this, and she transformed herself." And you see. Gaga kill it in this, uh, but she her eyes just open wide and she talks about how much she admires transform how she how this Natasha transformed herself into this character this actress. So we see hints at what she likely will apply to her own self later on mm-hmm. uh, as she becomes, you know, uh, eternally Countess. alive. Yes, yeah. good insight. Um, so the Countess goes to the party the hotel court does. It's the opening party, and this is obviously where she runs into, um. James March for the first time have I ever said this before that I think James that Evan Peters James March accent is a lot like Bane do you get no, that too I haven't thought about that I will definitely pay attention uh, obviously not next week but the week after to see if that's I still like his fun. accent but I do feel like it's inspired by Bane a little bit I'm curious to hear mm-hmm. if anybody else agrees with that um, but I just you know it's kind of over the top which I think is what his character is supposed to be so yeah, I think it's fitting I, yeah I again I, we love him now it's a return to a good character and he's doing a great job I think too right and the Kato seems uh, initially kind of stricken with March too I mean maybe not to the same degree she was with Valentino um, March is clearly not a uh, romantic like Valentino is per se uh-huh. the great seducer I think is what they isn't that what they call Valentino um, something like someone like the great womanizer like clearly he had a way with women March is more um, enigmatic I guess Anyway, news breaks that Valentino is dead. Obviously, uh, the Countess is very stricken. She almost uh, throws herself out the same window, mind you, that Sally got thrown out of by Oh, Iris. good point. I didn't catch that, but you're totally right, I think. When uh, March saves her. An interesting line here. He says, I may never let you go. Um, I almost he, thought- So he said, "I don't worry, I won't let you go. And then there was like a pause for the beat. It's like... Or like I'll never let you it's like alright, we got I, I got the point the first time. The, I think that was think supposed it? I think that was supposed to sound more sinister. That's how oh, I yeah, took it. Yeah. I may mean, never let I, you yeah. go. I, I I do still feel like it was a little over the I don't know, like I got it. Like I, I the subtlety of him holding her and like if she tried to move and he still held her, I think that would have like been like, ooh, nice. <laughs> like a subtle thing of like he's he's got her now. Like I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we're just such smart viewers that we don't need them to tell us twice right. a few times. But yeah, the implication, anyway. I felt like the implication was like, he wasn't necessarily being sweet. Maybe he had more sinister mm-hmm. um, motives. Yeah, right. But I wouldn't say that it's not like he exactly went from there to uh, abuse... He certainly didn't abuse her or anything. I mean... They got it on they, Well, the, the, maybe that's not true. That, that being said, like she kind of um, was involved in his... Torture uh, stuff. Right, in his business. Um, you know, the way they inter- end up introducing this is the Countess becomes this lady in black who visits the Valentino's grave every... Is it every day? Every day. Places and, a single rose. And this must have been for, I mean, relatively short time after Valentino died. I, You know, maybe a month or something. I think that they even comment on how quickly it went. But you'd think he'd still be a little irritated that she was going and dropping a rose at this... Yeah, and it's great every day. Uh, but you know, she obviously gets approached and finds out Natasha is not dead. Well, they or, show sorry, up at the, the, at dead. the Yeah, they, they show up, which which is kind of weird. Like, why would they wait that long? <laughs> I feel like they'd say she's been doing it for like three months or I forget how long it is. But also, why would they choose there? I, there's a lot. And okay, I need to suspend disbelief. Well, so if if we're gonna try to you know make it believable, let's let's say <laughs> that. Um, Let's say that they knew they knew that was her. They'd heard about this lady in black, and they knew it was her that was going. And uh, maybe they needed to stay undercover long enough to make it believable that Valentina was yeah, actually dead. That's let, true. let things settle over a little bit, and everyone else forget it about a little bit. Before Turns they... out it was Valentina's loyal stunt double. So apparently, the guy just agreed to die for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was, sure. I thought was entertaining. Yeah, I don't know how much I believe that. Um, but, but yeah, we... they talked to her. They, they they basically like she's like cries. She's so excited. She's like, "I love you both." And right. they don't they, they they pitch her the idea of running away and living eternally. And we essentially get two backstories within backstories here. Yeah. Uh, the first one is, of course, um, the Countess. Flashback and a flashback. That's right. Pretty cool. Um, so we see these scenes of the Countess having some like really gruesome sex with March, which originally almost looks like a little bit rapey, Violence. which is kind of uncomfortable. But then she kind of seems to be in charge. Into it, and she starts choking him and stuff like that too. Um, so, the show always pushes the the envelope for sexual violence. I, we know that. Indeed, and I would say that um, this is uh, so. Okay, she says she was drawn to the darkness, and then she catches him killing this uh, homeless guy or something like that. And she, a bum, yeah. And or she hobo. says something about the next time you kill somebody, kill somebody that has some like diamonds or like who has stuff we can take from or something. Mm-hmm. This just seemed to come out of nowhere a little bit. I would have liked to see. You know, that might be my only complaint with this episode is like.
1: I, where what up until here this... we
0: saw her kind of be such a sweet um, innocent woman, um, you know or you know essentially a girl at this point, still kind of like very sheltered and everything. Where did this right We don't darkness actually come see from the, 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 the point where she pivots to this different type of uh, personality. Um, I think she hints at it with why, when she explains why she married uh, James March. Which is, you know, I was alone and I figured if I'm gonna, you know, she lost the love of her life, the loves of her life, then she'd, if she's gonna be in, if she's going to grieve, she's gonna grieve with like lots of beautiful things around her and money. So I, 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 the only thing I can point, uh, peg it to is the thought that, or her, her thought that she lost, uh, Valentino. And that was so devastating to her that she becomes an asshole. And, a, and an accomplice to murder. Yeah, well, exactly. And then a murderer. <laughs> well, and eventually, yeah, like, a, you know, murder becomes a serial killer. It kind of it kinda seems like once you're turned into, you know, once you get the blood virus, then you don't really have that same sanctity of life kind of um, I, philosophy. I, I agree. That's probably part, a lot of part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But before that time, yeah, it just kind of seems like, you're right, maybe once Valentino died, she like, she didn't really care anymore. And kind of like all her... Uh, Maybe that kind of sh- you know shattered her naivete or whatever. Right. That's a good theory. Uh, in the meantime, we find out what happened to Valentino and why he faked his death. He was followed by this guy who ended up being the director of Nosferatu. F. W. Murnau. And so I assume this is a real tale that this guy, this director, like went into the hills and like observed like real the Carpathian Mountains. Right, and like observed real people as like the model for his movie and, and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and apparently, See, it's in the Carpathian Mountains. That is where. Which is that Greece? Oh, oh boy, I didn't. I I think so. I think it's Greece. Anyway, that's Carpathia where it sounds about right. That's where he found the blood virus, and um, basically, he just stumbles into this giant blood orgy kind of thing. No, they're in the Czech Republic to okay. Romania. Okay, um, which would kind of fit kind of that Transylvania ish for vampires yeah totally and that's where he ends up yeah, stumbling across the blood virus and turning himself and he, he stumbles across an orgy like of all american story uh lore <laughs> there's no sex involved and it's not happening right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> this this blood orgy in the mountains and he yeah. said and he, he sees this and he says to himself i want to be a part of that and so he gets turned <laughs> Um, and he wants to turn Valentino. So, a couple things here. Part of what ends up convincing Valentino that he should turn is the the end of black and white films, the the kind of bringing of talkies. Now, right. <clears throat> this felt a little bit, you know, reminiscent of. Uh, so, uh, first of all, a, a great old movie called Sunset Boulevard. I'm sure many people have seen. It's a classic, in which um, it's all about this actress who. Um, essentially was a huge star of the black and white screen. And when Takis came about, she was no longer famous. Which, I mean, that's the plot of many movies, but that's a great classic one. And uh, that seems to be kind of the fate that maybe drives Valentino to decide he wants to go toward the blood virus. Also, we already know he's kind of had this attraction to immortality for some time. Right. Um, And so we have this kind of sexual scene between them. Again, very homoerotic where he drinks... Uh, the director's blood but d- does the director really say like why Valentino in particular is it was I'm trying to remember if there was like a project they wanted to work on together or something I don't remember that I just remember he kind of sells him on the idea of immortality and and the and the oncoming uh shift in uh in movies going to sound and and uh and video so why Valentino specifically was a target I guess is not clear, you know, from this director, it's not particularly clear, um, but obviously, obviously, you know, Valentino, maybe he thought that with his accent, not you know, because he, he makes a, a point a couple times to say his English isn't very good, maybe he thought he wouldn't be a very good actor if he was actually having to talk on screen. Right, I think, yeah, he does some, it's something where he's intimidated by the idea that, that talking pictures are going to happen, so if he gives him immortality he can live on even if he doesn't make it and i i don't know he's he's also a very vain person mm-hmm. absolutely also second reference to nosferatu um yes. in this season because obviously uh the cancer of yes, uh, St. donovan Mm-hmm. Um, went to that like movie in the park where they hooked up with that couple. They ended up slaughtering back at the house. I think this is the first time we saw The Countess and Donovan. Right. If I had known that they were going to, like we obviously did our research looking into this uh, show or this season based on uh, knowing it was going to be at a hotel. But they, had I known it was going to be vampires, I probably would have done a little more research. On, watching uh, this without too. Into... To? Yeah, I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah, well, maybe maybe that should be on our rewatch list for sometime soon just because it yeah. seems like, it's, considering it is our second reference, it seems like that's kind of important. more at this point. Yeah, so Valentino's turn, and then he and then in turn turns Natasha, and they came back to turn um, the, the, Ga- the Gaga <laughs> the, the Gaga. The Gaga. And March hears about this and clearly is not very happy about it. Um, and so he walls them off in a hall in the hotel to kind of make them, instead of just killing them, um... And I get, maybe we kind of hint that, like, this is something he's done in the past. Remember, I think there's a scene earlier on when we first see the Countess, like, just only her hair, when we're hinting at his wife that we see him, like, walling somebody. Remember, he he has that, like, girl hanging in the wall, and he's walling her off. So we know this is something he's done before, is, like, just leaving people inside the the walls to... This kind of reminds me of the Titanic, because that was a big... um, this it was a big thing with the the you know the giant cruise ship the Titanic that sunk that a bunch of people had died apparently in the walls while the thing was being built because they got like walled in at different points in time and so this makes me think of for some reason right um but I guess that's just you know another attesting even more to like how vast and kind of all these creepy corridors that belong in uh the Cortez but yeah how um, ter- you know terrifying to be walled off in this hotel hall right he it's a it's eternity. a very um yeah uh vindictive move uh to just said okay they're gonna live eternally they're gonna live eternally in this hallway claustrophobic and i think we learned a couple things is that like even without blood for that long they're not gonna die right they lived off of rats if they had to have anything is what they say right um and so they're you know they're obviously very um kind of frail and dried out at this point um, but they're the ones that, who break, who are, you know, we knew this already, but they're the ones who ended up breaking free when they blasted through the wall there. Uh, but I think March, of, like, okay, so let's talk about this scene between March and the Countess having dinner. Because I think we learn a few things here. The Countess comes to have dinner with March once a month, it seems like. So we knew that she had outlived him to some degree. She must have been after he killed himself, she inherited or you know all all his, his assets. So she got the hotel. Um, maybe why do you think that she still meets with him once a month? Mm, to keep him at bay, maybe kind of like uh hyperdermic Sally has to do something otherwise James March can make their lives miserable for some reason. Well, I mean, he's undead, so he can, and he's he a an serial he killer, so he could, yeah. And he's, yeah, he's, like, clearly crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, some of these other people have these tortured souls where they try to, to figure out right from wrong. But I think after this episode, it, to me, um, the Countess comes off as a little more uh, of a victim, even though she's made her choices. Uh, and March comes across as the most evil villain. I would agree with you and say that, so, I mean, I think after this episode we can say that March is the one who is the most unredemptive, you know? Yes. And I think that's the point, is he's just a pure sociopath. Mm -hmm. Except maybe the Ten Commandments killer, but we'll see who that ends up being. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the Countess had this dinner basically to announce that she was marrying Will Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly there's still some tension you can still kind of tell that March is maybe in love with her or still attracted to her to some degree I mean I felt that I don't know how you feel yeah. about it yeah he, there's a, there's jealousy there for sure so there's unrequited feelings and he kind of calls her out on her plan to kill Drake and she's like well how do you know I'm going to do that uh, but we already know that's the case too because she admitted that to Tristan a while ago she wants the money so she can have the hotel right and um this is the point at which March reveals that he had locked up Valentino and Tasha way back when, after he had his men kind of beat the shit out of him and he walled them off. Oh, also, I, I kind of skipped the scene where we we saw um, Valentino and Natasha end up feeding on those Australian guys, <laughs> which is was... oh, that's right at the end, I think, isn't it? Like, yeah, the Australian guys. I don't. I couldn't. I was trying to figure out what their deal was. I couldn't really hear their conversation, but. They, they looked like like picked out of a lineup of your run-of-the-mill uh, uh, Ryan Murphy, attractive, young, strapping men. <laughs> well, and they were obviously just going to be feed for Natasha and Valentino. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, young, robust blood, so to speak, to refresh their youth a little bit. Uh, I also thought it was important to note that um, Natasha says in this scene basically that, like, Valentino's love for the Countess is kind of what ended up being their downfall so we kind of get a feeling you know know that Natasha maybe was not as into the, her, the mouse mm-hmm. as Valentino was so they kind of had a special thing yeah uh, but the way this episode essentially ends is you know the Countess being pissed well obviously very upset that that's what ended up happening to Valentino and Natasha because she was waiting for them at the train station and they never showed up And also, we see them all cleaned up from their fresh Australian blood, and essentially walking out of the hotel very much like Donovan and the Countess did in episode one. I love how everyone struts in and out of this hotel. It's so (laughs) badass. They strut their stuff. So, question for you. uh, Is the Countess going to, like, did they leave for good? Is the Countess going to track down Valentino again now? I think they'll absolutely come across each other. Uh, And my first thoughts were, oh, wow, so the Countess now has... uh, Her Team Countess has grown by two people, possibly. So she's not, like, the sole uh, mark for everyone else in the hotel that's trying to take her down. She might have some teammates now. Some allies, potentially. Yeah. Then again, they might be kind of pissed at her from uh, essentially her husband being the cause of them being locked in a wall for 100 years or, you know... Not quite, but you know what I mean. <laughs> now let's talk for a few quick minutes about John Lowe, and then we'll do some recapping. Um, so Lowe checked himself into the hospital for mental breakdown because he learned that there was... Uh, the, in this mental hospital, essentially, was the suspect um, who was being accused to be the Ten Commandment killer. couple quick notes. He ends up attacking his friend here. <laughs> um, that scene was so ridiculous also you know he, he talks about his friend called him a dickhead to begin with I think yeah. <laughs> which I like what kind of you know this is your only friend he's calling you a dickhead which like low didn't really deserve that I think the guy should be feeling a little bit bad for him considering all the you know the divorce and his son being caught and everything yeah <laughs> and clearly him having a mental breakdown but when he's there is when he finds you know the Ten Commandment killer on the paper or whatever uh, it also, he seems to sneak around this hospital with like no one watching him or having any... Like, no one. <laughs> it's so easy to break out and break in and do whatever you want. That's <laughs> kind, of, kind of ridiculous. So the suspect that he ends up finding after he knocks out some security guard with a food tray is Ren, who we recognize as the only girl that the Countess as had As from the Even Stevens, yes, correct. Ren Stevens. Right, yeah, <laughs> a, a younger blonder version without the braces. <laughs> uh, also, the only the only girl of the of the of the Gaga uh, children of the Canis's children, right? Yeah, or the little monsters um, who we've ne- who we've never we haven't really we seen leave the hotel before this. I guess no, right, correct. But apparently, she has some connection to the Ten Commandments killer. Um, she speaks in a lot of code here, but we do know that she had... You know, we see her little backstory that she had. Her dad was very neglectful and maybe, you know, abusive. It's hinted that maybe he was planning to be sexually abusive or was. Um, regardless, the Countess steals her away from him one time when he goes to drink at the bar of the Cortez. And she ends up becoming, you know, the little vampire or whatever. Uh, but Lucy's sees, a comp- like, a comparison between Ren... And the Ten Commandments killer and himself and Scarlet, it you know, seems some, some kind of parallel. Yeah, he he really says she reminds him of his daughter Scarlet a lot. Is it just because she's a younger, like she's a girl the same age that's blonde? She's so young and blonde and the same age, possibly. I think we'll find out more. Um, it's hard to tell if this is hinting at something more or not. You know? What yeah, I mean? agreed. And I felt like that with a lot of this low storyline. Mm-hmm. That was basically just like. I'm a little tired of crazy low. I want this to like go somewhere now, which I think, I think you would agree with me. That we're, yeah. We're at that point. Hopefully that is what's happening. He needs to either go over that hill and commit to being just a crazy psycho, or he needs to <laughs> like right. like double down on his, uh, on his sanity that everything else around him is crazy. So did the police realize that the suspect that they were calling the killer or whatever is just this little girl? Yes, that's what I think, or that's what we're led to believe. And we know she's the accomplice. She was there at all these different, you know, scenes. Right. We see that she actually sl- killed the she, security guard in one scene. Yeah, and stuff. she has a lot of information about what went down, and t- to suggest and she recan- or retells the story of how everything went down. So yeah, she she's she was there, which and, makes me think it's John Lowe. I know, I know, and she essentially talks Lowe into letting her leave, or helping her escape the hotel. Only so that she his. can kill herself. Yeah. So she's never has any actual plan to take him back to the Cortez. But she just yeah. is again every you know, every path leads back to the Cortez. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, so she you know she was so tired, you know... She seems like maybe she... So I think this kind of is a little bit of a testament to, you know, the blood virus making people want to kill people that, like, don't necessarily have a blood loss. She seems like maybe she wasn't such a bad person, but she kind of felt manipulated by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, she, and That's why she killed herself, because she was tired of having that desire to kill, maybe? That, and she didn't want to be a little girl forever, or something like that, she said. That, too, yeah, because she she wanted to... She's, she commented on immortality. Uh, the low storyline here... Are, is there any additional insight you have on this? Um, no, or- I mean not really. He he's he like faked crazy, even though he is crazy, to get locked up, which is crazy. Uh, he's he escapes obs- easily. Yeah, he escapes easily. He's obsessed. I I I believe that there's a lot of information about Lowe's story that we we're just not seeing or hearing. We're we're seeing his narrative done for what what he that at least this part of his brain is believing. But I could see some Tyler Durden stuff happening. Uh, exactly, it seems almost like a split personality <laughs> sort of kind of thing. Is where I feel like this is leading. I think we both predicted it now for a while. Curious to see if that's actually the case. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where this episode ends, is, is with that realization about the Countess's backstory and with, you know, Ren dying and Lowe again heading back to the Cortez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, in Lowe's storyline, it won't be long before he figures out the whole stuff about Alex and Holden. But I think the real revelation is going to be what, what his actual backstory is. And I think we might even get into that in the next episode, according to the teasers. Cool. A couple bigger questions for you How do you feel about the Countess after seeing her backstory? I think she's much more sympathetic. Um, I, Lady Gaga did an amazing job uh, uh, conveying this uh, impressionable young woman trying to become an actress, um, and the transformation is very uh, um, extreme for for what she was. But which, like you mentioned, we still need to kind of figure out why she said she was drawn to lo- or to James March's darkness, but what what uh actually flipped the switch to make her become interested in murdering people and and whatnot is uh i think a little needs needs to be expanded upon that being said i think she's much more sympathetic now i like her character i think uh we'll see her a little differently uh when all these people try to team up against her we won't want her just to cut to get taken down i hear you next quick question tristan or valentino Mm, we haven't had enough time with Valentino, so I don't know. Uh, Valentino's clearly has better style and is, is, is more handsome. <laughs> Tristan was annoying as shit, uh, but he was a, I, I, he's a good character. So you know, I'm gonna say Tristan only because I feel bad for I, only because I feel bad for uh, Liz Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet of you. Uh, Valentino, a thousand percent interested in doing after-reading the And so I want to hear your final overall uh, yeah. rating and, and I thought this episode. was a great episode. I loved it. It was really cool. I actually watched it twice because I watched it first when I came home last night and I think I was a little drunk. But <laughs> watched it again this morning. Uh, I it was great. It was li- it was nice to see them focus on, you know, one major storyline and just have one other storyline kind of happening on the side. Uh, it, it Lady Gaga again did a great job and she's finally like had some room to work with her character and I, I enjoyed that um, the anus bleaching butthole comment is like the best com- quote I've heard from this sh- this season of the shows so, so far so God bless you Kathy Bates um I I, I give it you know I w- I was coming into this episode and I was gonna give it a four like just it was a solid good episode. But having talked about it with you, I'm going to up that to four and a quarter because it really, it was good. I liked it. It wasn't as like exciting, like, oh my God, this is crazy. It was, it was just like a well-told story, I think. So four and a quarter uh, stars for me. What about you? so i would agree with you on lady gaga i feel like she did a surprisingly terrific job i really liked her character's background here and kind of seeing a little bit more depth and um feeling in her as an actress and i th- i really appreciated it i thought the directing was great especially like in that dance scene The stuff was awesome agreed um very much enjoyed the i i, I really liked valentino coming back and getting a little bit more on finn witchrock because i was afraid we were going to lose him after the end of last episode um, that having been said, when you have an actor come back in a different form, it's a little bit the same thing. Where like you don't get those high stakes of someone dying and you are losing that person. So agreed. That's you know that's how the show rolls. though there's no stakes ever. Exactly. Um, but I really I did like that storyline, and I agree. You know, we, did, we talked about the the turn for darkness. Not really sure where that's coming from. Maybe we'll get some more background info on that at some point. And I'm certainly curious to see about the whole baby issue because we know that's coming. Um, the second thing I would do want to say. Because I'm, I'm I'm similar to you. I thought maybe this was a solid four. I'm going to drop it to three and three quarters. And that being because I hated this low storyline. The more I think about it, <laughs> I feel like it was so pointless. <laughs> it's just like they kept flashing back for essentially this is bullshit that this girl ends up dying. So unless there ends up being like something about this particular, this particular girl that is very significant, I think it's... I think that this storyline is stupid, and like how he was able to just like run around the hospital without anybody supervising him, essentially, was kind of ridiculous. Exactly. And so I very much liked the um, Countess Valentino storyline. Not so much for the low storyline. I'm going to give it three and three quarters. Okay, so that's uh, three and three quarters plus four eight. and a quarter. So geez. we bounce. So if we both give it four, <laughs> yeah, we, we bounce that anyway at a solid Still not a bad rating. Yeah, because um, I yeah you know, I really did it's like that episode. first that, um, that one storyline. So yeah, not not that bad. Not, like, again, the directing and the writing was pretty solid. Uh, you know, we do as we mentioned before, we do have a break next week, but when we come back, there's some exciting stuff going on. I think we find out you know Lowe is very close, or actually finds out who the Ten Commandments murder- killer is, and we see a lot more hypodermic Sally, who we missed for a while, you know a while now. We need Sally, and we need to see. Um uh, Liz Taylor again. Because I think this is the second episode in a row that we haven't had any. Um, Sally. Day, like, Sally. Yeah, and uh, we see a little bit more the Countess and Marches spat drying out a little bit. So I think things are going to start coming to a climax here. Um, it'll be episode eight, so we'll have what a solid five episodes left to kind of wrap things up. I think it'll be kind of time for us to be reaching the whole climax of the season. So I can't wait to see that. Ditto. Um, I hope you know. I think we both hope that everyone has a <laughs> solid Thanksgiving. Uh, break from the show jump on our facebook and uh, and let's uh, keep the conversation going while we have a week off that's I mean, right Kyle and i are always on it so yeah let's keep it going <laughs> facebook.com so this american horror story and uh, this american horror story at gmail.com rate us review us on itunes um until two weeks from now chris where will you be uh all all the social media stuff at chris husted chris with a k what about you tyler same thing but you can catch me at tj moss 11 we appreciate you guys all uh, tuning in, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Yeah, safe travels, everyone. Mwah. Happy honics.